Hello. Hi, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Yeah, sorry about that. Complete tech my side. Nothing to do with you. The first thing I'd like to do, and um, it would be great to know a bit about you <laughs> got into the industry. Um, okay, yeah. Um, so how, how did I how did I get into the aesthetics market? Um, I think by accident, like <laughs> purely by accident. So I wind wind the clock back a little bit without giving you the, the full life story. But um, uh, my my background is very is quite varied. So I I left school at seventeen, um, joined the navy pretty much immediately after leaving school. Um, I served eight years in the RN, um, and then. I left after I had a bit of bad knee injury playing rugby, funnily enough, and then I sort of wanted to see what the rest of the world was like. So I left the Navy and um, I started getting really interested in computer technologies, computer sciences, and this amazing emerging thing called the Internet. So I left the Navy, went to uh, uni, I did a four-year degree. Um, now it would probably be called Creative Technologies, but back then it was called something completely weird. I can't remember what it was, uh, computer science with something or other. Um, and um, when I left, I left right in the right in the middle of the dot-com crash. So I left with, um, into a, you know, a new market, but there were lots of people who were far more experienced than I were, everybody looking for jobs. So I thought, well, I'll go into sales. Um, I got told, yeah, you'd be good at sales. So I went into sales. Uh, my first sales job was selling digital printing. Um, and then I, I went into selling graphic design and multimedia. And it, it just wasn't really working for me, to be honest. We had a young family and it wasn't really paying the bills. And a friend of mine was working for a biotech company selling this amazing tech called hyaluronic acid. And I thought, okay, well, you know, have a look at it. And what they were looking for was business developers. They were looking for people to help essentially grow the market. So it wasn't so much about selling the products. Obviously, that was important. But what was more so most important was being able to take my experience and grow the clients' businesses. And that company was a company called Inamed. So, um, and the, the sort of product was called Hydrofill. And we did really well with Hydrofill, one of the first hyaluronic acid fillers out there, along with Restylane. Um, and then that company was acquired by Allegan. So Allegan bought um, Inamed in 2004, I think it was. And then essentially what happened is we took the HA and we took the toxin, smashed it together, created Allegan Medical, and the market started to started to really move. Um, we were, you know, we launched Juvenile Ultra in 2006. I was part of the team that worked on that. Um, we created our kind of commercial um, division. So looking at the whole... Uh, market from you know small independent practices right there through to the large groups Harley Med Hospital Group Skin you know I worked across the whole range of clients I worked across capital equipment injectables skincare you know you name it I've kind of worked in the different technologies um, left Allegan in 2011 set up my consulting business and um, doing very similar thing you know helping essentially helping aesthetic businesses grow and develop and. I launched um, a product called iConsult in 2012, which was the first um, paperless, um, basically patient record system. So through an iPad, um, you know, things grew. Then I got a little bit cocky around 2018, tried to do a fundraise with it um, and essentially crashed the whole thing into a wall. Um, <clears throat> I, I didn't raise anywhere near what I needed to. And I'd taken my eye off the ball with the coaching and consultancy business. I'd taken my eye off the ball with iConsult. 
and um the business really suffered if i essentially i lost pretty much everything in that year um so we hit the reset button we sold the house um i said i wasn't giving you the life story i'm on a roll (laughs) (laughs) right so sold the house in 2018 we moved up to surrey closer to amy's parents and i set about rebuilding the business and i did it using um the exactly the same theories and processes I've been talking about since 2004. Um, and, but we just, just, I just did it again and it worked, you know, the business grew, set it entrepreneurs was what was created out of all of that. And, um, you know, fast forward a pandemic and, you know, three years, um, AE's probably gone from zero through to just through quarter of a million in, in sales um in less than three years because of the way that we basically have, have grown the business and it's exactly the same process that i talk about um with clients and with coaching you know the the whole the whole thing so and now here we are with set of entrepreneurs in 2021 you know halfway through um doing you know very much the same sort of thing but helping essentially unlock this whole my- myriad of 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 concerns and, and mysteries that is around business and sales and marketing for people who you know traditionally or wouldn't have the experience to be able to do that so the first thing i'd like um to chat to you about is mm. how you feel the industry is going to change or is changing um post pandemic and how as nurses or as healthcare professionals we can use that to grow our businesses Let's let's cut out the small talk and get right to the point, sorry. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no messing around. Okay, so okay, so two two parts. So how's the market gonna change? How's the market developing? Okay. Well, I think you have you know, it's it's stating the, the bleeding obvious in a sense that, you know, there were two part there were two eras. There was the pre COVID and post. So right there was the, the way the market was developing right up until seventeenth of March. 2020 i think my number names numbers right dates right um and it, it I, I broke the broke the market down into kind of different eras and we'd kind of gone through the sort of injectable era the energy device era then it was you know everyone was sort of really hot, hot on skincare and what happened in the last year is everybody's doors closed right so what we suddenly got is this one is a combination of all of the three previous areas, so injectables, energy and skincare. But also now you've got uh, everyone has an understanding that you have to have some sort of digital or diversified business offering. It cannot just be about sticking needles in people. It cannot just be about, um, you know, making money when the doors are open. You have to have a partial portion of the business that generates revenue um, autonomously. So, and the way to look at that is, um, is one guess definitely having an online, you know, online business, online skincare, online retail, uh, treatment plans and subscriptions, because what that gives you is it gives you a, a long term revenue strategy rather than just short term. Because short term, people walk in the door, you get paid. That model got smashed to bits last year. We've still got the risks of lockdown. I don't think they've gone away completely. But even so, you've also now got a consumer base that is far more interested and aware of the opportunities that um can happen online you've also got a client base and this would be interesting to get you know get your perspective on this is you know how you got people didn't weather lockdown well some did some didn't you know there was a lot of talk about you know excess alcohol consumption there's a lot of talk about you know a new obesity epidemic based on that 
And both of those things are aging, right? We've also had a, a situation where in the UK, you know, without getting political about it, the government has pulled the guts out of the, you know, this mental health support. Um, so essentially, you know, you guys, you've got the opportunity as to, to use your medical backgrounds to be that initial point of contact for someone when, yeah, they might be walking in looking for, you know, some sort of, you know, aesthetic treatment for want of a better word, but actually you're looking at them thinking, well, yeah, but I can help you in so many other ways. You know, I can help you with your, you know, your health and well-being. I can help you with your weight management. I can help you with your skincare. I can help you with this. I can help you with that. All those things that jump into your head with, I can help you with that is your new business model. And anybody listening to this has got to kind of start exploring all of the other things that you can do. The analogy I use is it's like going to a restaurant, right? <clears throat> Once upon a time, you only did seafood kind of, seafood's not just the only thing you want to do anymore people are going to come in and start asking for different things so you need to cater for different palates you need to maybe start bringing you know wine into the into the mix you need to start bringing desserts which means you've got to scale the business up you've got to start looking at different things so your clients are going to start to drive the agenda in a slightly different way based off of their experiences in lockdown this is the first thing that's going to happen but the second thing the question you asked about how to, as a you know as a medical professional or you know nurse to take advantage of it is your medical professionals right so use that as your leverage you've got the ability to prescribe you've got the ability to talk about products that you know aren't available to other areas of the market you've got the ability and also your training and background as well you know in multidisciplinary care in bringing teams together you know, it doesn't necessarily all have to be you. You could bring in a nutritionist. You could bring in someone else as an expert to augment your offering. Got to start thinking a little bit broader than aesthetics just being injectables. It's not in the US. It's much broader than that. You talk about aesthetics and it's my mum lives in um, Houston. She lives just outside uh, outside uh, Houston. And, you know, when she goes and sees her cosmetic dermatologist, it's a multidisciplinary approach. You know, it's not just him. It's a whole team that work on, you know, and help her. And I think that's the way this is going because I don't see it going any other way. I don't think the genie's going back in the bottle for the consumer, but they need help in lots and lots of different ways. I think that, you, you know, the pandemic has really kind of like given healthcare, healthcare workers, you know, a chance to shine and a chance mm. to kind of like stand out from you know the typical you know you know the beautician down the road that does lips for 99 pounds you know mm. like I think it's really given us a really given us a platform Definitely. you know what you were talking about you know selling you know you know we, we we've kind of like a lot of clinics have hustled you know to kind of like bring them other you know side hustles like skincare mm become you know like the, the main income generator you know during during lockdown and you know we've had a massive seen lots of like health and well-being um you know clinics focusing on that and I you know I think it's fantastic um but like myself personally and a lot of nurses that you know that I've been speaking to since we've managed to open our doors um we you know I like it's it's kind of like overwhelming you know the fact that we have um you know we're we're injecting um and we're also kind of nurturing and growing these other revenue streams and like i found myself particularly since we've opened up the door working in the business and mm. not working on the business and you know that's kind of frustrating you know and it means that it you know it's 
it's it's growth you know I'm, I don't feel like I'm growing have you got any tips or strategies for for me and for others that are kind of feeling you know feeling like that how can we avoid the daily grind and you know not focus on doing the do I think that's one of your sayings isn't it yeah I think it depends on where you are in 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 the business I guess and I suppose taking you know you as a case in point um I think actually take a step back the easiest way to explain it is I think is look at how um aesthetic businesses kind of go on a bit of a journey on in themselves they kind of break out into what into five different sort of categories for me so from sort of boutique right the way through to corporate so that so a boutique business for example i describe as a boutique business is generally owner operated working from home or a small you know very small kind mm-hmm. of clinic um and but you know just in that initial that start start off phase and in that phase you know unfortunately you're just going to be doing everything. The only resources that we really have are time, energy, and money. And it's about balancing each one of them. And they're all finite, right? And you know, the real, if you had loads of money, you just throw loads of money at it. You save yourself lots of time, lots of energy, but eventually, if it's not working, you're going to run out of it. If yeah. you don't have money, you've got to do it yourself. That early stage boutique business is cash poor and often has to do it itself part-time as well. So, you know, I hate to be the purveyor of doom, but it's going to be a bit of a grind. Okay. You know, this is where you earn your, you earn your stripes and you just grind it out. Eventually on the positive note, you're in a market that grows, you know, this market has grown rapidly um, through pandemics, through, you know, economic head, you know, crises market still grows. Um, So that's a good, that's good news. So if you can just stay in the game, keep going, you know, try you know getting new clients in i can talk a bit about how you do that but essentially that boutique business is the hard it's a really tough part it's that's like from naught to 60 clients if you like after that you've got lifestyle and the reason i call it lifestyle businesses is because it, it often it can be that it's maybe still working from home or you've just got a smaller premises you may be leasing it taking a step into different modality you know different things you might be looking at buying equipment but essentially it's still just life is a bit of extra cash you know you're not really taking a salary from it then you jump into at the high end of lifestyle and performance that's when it starts to get really not risky but challenging because a performance business by its nature has to perform to generate revenue so you've got staff you've got capital equipment you've got rent you've got rates you've got all these different things you've got to start generating income to pay off you may be taking a salary, so suddenly you become dependent on the business to work. And that's the bit that gets a bit scary for people. So when I sort of think, okay, well, how how to sort of take people through it, first thing is you've got to remember is this is a marathon, not a sprint. And you've got to go through those phases. You've got to go from boutique to lifestyle, lifestyle to performance. And the reasons why is, one, because you have to grow in confidence it's you know coming out of the nhs like a lot of you do they and going straight into a performance business you it, it just won't work you're crack because don't have the experience you've not done enough time in in business mm. to know what marketing strategies work to handle your own anxiety because you know that's waking up in the middle of the night not now you're going to pay your mortgage welcome to being an entrepreneur that's what happens you know so you've got to do those things first and as you go through that process, 
then you start to learn and develop and you know what to outsource and when to outsource and when to spend money and when to invest and you get it wrong in that first lot you, you spend money and it all goes a little bit wrong you've probably experienced this as well you know you just i've done it myself you know you spent money and it's just like when uh, the hell did i do that i knew it wouldn't work but you do it you learn and you learn um so in, in a sense you've got to allow yourself that those early steps to fail and then get smarter quick because you know don't do the same mistakes again keep making new mistakes and the business will grow um and um yeah just remember that it's just a marathon not a sprint and go through the phases of business growth don't try and leapfrog quantum leaps are difficult to do and expensive and you're relying on luck rather than building solid foundations for growth so small so small steps it has to be comp so where i went wrong so in my own history when i blew up i consult and let's bear in mind i blew up a perfectly good software business um because i tried to go from being a boutique software business to a performance software business without doing the lifestyle bit in the middle and that's the bit where you learn you learn so much in these phases and i tried to fundraise i didn't have a clue how to raise money in that sort of volume so i became reliant on other people's insight i became vulnerable in a sense because i didn't know i couldn't see all of the angles and with hindsight and looking back on it thinking i can't believe i did a lot of those things but what happened is i got really blinkered and the big shiny goal at the end of it and i was focusing on that and i forgot about everything else and at the end of that whole process one person said to me he goes you know what if you'd focused more on sales you wouldn't have had to try and raise money and it's almost like I had to get to the end of the journey to hear the truth, that little bit of truth. And since then, it's like, he's absolutely right. If you focus on just growing your business, wake up next day, what can I do to grow? How can I grow? How can I make more sales? Pick up the phone, ring a few lapsed customers, send a couple of emails, you know, think about some of the problems that clients have and how can I solve them? If you do these things, you just take incremental steps what a lot of people try and do is skip the struggle. And I tried to do it and I failed and I failed badly. You know, um, it wasn't, it wasn't an, it was a very chastening experience. So I will save all of you, save you all from something like that and just, just chip away at it every day. Just keep going. Keep going. It's good. And it's good. The fact that we can, you know, we can learn from, we can learn from, you know, what, what happened with, with your business. And just going back to what you were talking about before when you we were talking about um we were talking about healthcare professionals. Mm. We were talking about um, you know, we, we touched on kind of like beauty therapists and you know, how we can um you know, how we how we how we're diff you know, how we're differentiating ourselves from beauty therapists. Um, something, I mean, I know me and you have had a, you know, a chat previously and something that you, you know, you said to me was price, you know, like that is something that we can, um, you know, we can use, you know, we don't do £99, mm. you know, like we do £350 lips, or, you know, or, or whatever. As a nurse, it's, and, and, you know, a lot of, I've had like a lot of questions around this. Um, how do we know if we are are under or overcharging and you know if we do want to increase our prices how can we do that and how can we avoid the fear of asking for money I mean I know personally I have this awful thing I've got discount to rep. so you know if somebody tells me a little bit of a sub story or they tell me they've got a 
in the shoe you know like I'll knock some money off and I, you know I don't know you know at the end of the day I'm running a business and my business is you know providing for my family but yeah you know I still want to give people money off you know so what you know what's your advice with you know round around that and first I think discount Tourette's I've heard it a couple of times it is the best term of the year (laughs) it's a brilliant term I did I learned that I don't know if she's listening but I actually it was actually Stephanie Bunce who um is a nurse she she was the one that told me about discount Tourette's and like literally we must have spent about an hour talking about the reasons why we gave people discounts it's 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 a fantastic. I love it. I'll I'll, I'll definitely I'll come on to that one. So okay, so okay, so a couple of couple of points. So first thing, um, so, so, so differentiation. Okay, let's look at it from that point of view. Um, so first thing is, how do I know? How do you know if you're undercharging? Okay, you're all undercharging. The UK. I'm a fur. I absolutely believe the UK aesthetic market has undercharged for years, and this is how I know. So 2006, we launched Juvederm Ultra Smile. Um, it came in two syringes, 0.55. Do you remember the yeah, little half mil syringes? And my little, you know, I like I have to simplify things because of my tiny brain. I looked at this and I thought, oh, I know I can sell this. So I go into go into a clinic and go, one box, two syringes, 250 quid per lip, 500 pound a box. Job done. See you later. And it was literally that. Most people are still charging around 250 quid for a lip. And that was what, in 20, 2006, that was when that sort of price was around. And a lot of people are still charging around that price point now. And we've seen an attempt at a commoditization of fillers. So, you know, people talk about filler pricing being a race to the bottom because, you know, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the whole medic, non-medic, you know, discussion. I think... You've got a portion of the market that's probably here. It's going to be here for a while. We know what it's going to take to make that disappear. It's not looking like it's going to happen for a while. So we've just got to accept it. What we can do, though, is move up and move beyond it. So if you take 250 as being a benchmark for lips, for example, in 2006, well, maths, quick maths, retail price index, prices generally go up about 3% a year. So if you do the maths, the lips should be closer to three, four, three hundred, three fifty per as a as a base, and they're not. So this is why we know that the market's undercharged is because it's not increased it, along along a line with inflation at a bare minimum. But in in two thousand and six as well, there weren't as many people doing aesthetics, and it no. did. And you know now, you know it is a. I know you don't like the word saturated market, but there are so many people now that are offering you know aesthetics it you know charging 350 pounds for a lip it so you know some like i know like you know the the, you know the the elite clinics could charge that but you know for for the for the middle for the middle ground Mm. i don't be interesting to know what other people think about yeah i mean you got so i i think there's it's what you call price price elasticity, so essentially, but you, you can still push. And I've, over the last year, been pushing people to raise their prices, raise their prices, raise their prices, and just knock them up. I'm not talking about immediately going from 250 to 350, 400, but just doing it over a period of time um, and just test test the market, nudge, nudge. Because there, there, is, there, is, there is a mechanics and a way of doing it. 
I don't, I mean, you mentioned about, about the term price saturation and I'm, I'm not fond of it as a term. And the reason I'm not fond of it as a term because it's misleading. What, when you talk about people say about price saturation, what they're essentially saying is the entire market is filled. There is no room. And that's not true. The price, the, the, the market in the aesthetics is saturated at a certain price point. Mm-hmm. But above that price point, it's not. You just said the elite clinics charge certain pricing. There are fewer of them. So in my mind, the strategy should be how do I push up where the error, you know, where there are fewer people competing, not come down. I've had this conversation with lots of people about, right, well, I've had three people move into my area and they're all doing 99 quid. So I'm going to drop my prices. I'm like, why? So yeah. your one point of differentiation is the fact that you're a higher price than they are. So you're yeah. going to drop your price and join them. That doesn't make sense. How can you, the, the, the other thing is, how do you communicate to your client base the value that you provide? And that's the trick. It starts to think about the word value, not price. And what can you add? So if you're thinking, right, okay, 350 quid to you may feel for a lip treatment, for example, might feel uncomfortable. It might not be, might not sit well with you. You might feel that's overpriced. So the question I would ask you is what value can you add to make that a valid price point? Okay. Don't have to answer it now, but just go. It's food for thought. Go and think. What other thing? What can you drop in there? Could a, you add, sorry, go on. What do you think? What could you drop in there? Like, you know, if you're putting together a lip package, you know, wanted to sell lips for £350, like, what would be that kind of, you know, what would be that added value? What to, think about, so go up. So rather than think about lips, right, what's that client coming in for? We'll do a bit, we'll do some live consultancy, right? So we'll dig in, right? So let's, you know, let's make, think of it. So patients come in and says, right, I want, I want lip treatment. Why? What, what, why she want a lip treatment? Okay. Because, um, she's feeling as though she's noticing the loss of volume in her lips. Okay. And why is that, why is that, how's that affecting her? So she doesn't feel as youthful as what she, um, you know, as what she used to do. It's making her feel a bit older and um, she wants a bit of a a boost. Okay. So what else could you do? So I could assess, we could do a full skin assessment. You know, we could look at, you know, if if she's, you know, she's losing volume in her lips, she's probably losing mid-face volume. You know, we could do the whole kit and caboodle. There you go. So you so you got the opportunity there to upsell. So what I would do in that instance is treat the lip, mm-hmm. but open her mind up to the fact that there are other things that you can do. I mean, you have to do that anyway as part of your duty of care. I know this, you know, alternative treatments and that kind of stuff. But open her mind up to it. So you know, you said you wanted to come in for this. However, we could do this, 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 and this, and it's just through questioning and things like that. Um, you know, the, the the consultation skills that you guys have that you do so well. Um, it's just getting people to open up a little bit about what the reasoning behind having the treatment is. There's a, a, one of my favorite quotes is that people buy on emotion and they justify it with logic. And if you hit the emotional centers, selling or solving problems should, rather should becomes a lot easier. Um, Cause most people just walk in and price is all they really understand. And in aesthetics, it's quite a difficult market for people to navigate. You know, you've got, lots of different people doing it, lots of different technologies. There's loads of information on, you know, the internet, you know, everybody's, um, was there a phrase, skin intellectual now. Like so that, yeah. they've got so much info in their head and they're coming into you with almost like a fixed idea, I guess, of what it is they want. 
um, you've got to break that down and make it real for them. So well, look, we can do this, this and this, or we can do this and this. Just keep the conversation moving. Um, and when it comes to like um, things like, as you call it, discount Tourette's, I'll give you a, I'll give you a tip, right? So yeah. this really, really works. So anyway, listening out there going, right, discount Tourette's is all about managing excitement. It's about energy. It's about managing your energy levels. So I will guess that the ch- the time that you discount will be here. So you're just about to go, right, okay, you've, you've had a good conversation with the client, you've said this and this, and then you go, right, and that will be uh, £1,000. But I can but... do it for 750 <laughs> In fact, no, I can do it for 500 In fact, yeah. do you know what? just have it. In fact, I'll pay you yeah. to have the treatment, right? <laughs> So you start winding, winding back almost immediately. And there's a, and it, it's really, really common. And it's just that kind of a little bit of bolt of fear and, and lack of value, not really understanding the value. So, so the first tip thing to do is summarize. So, and this is really useful for you and them. So before you position the price, tell them what the, what you're doing. So, for example, you know, it, it was me, you know, so, right, you know, we're going to sort that, you're going to inject this in here, you know, to soften your glabella, because, and that's going to make, which is going to make you feel, you know, make you look less angry when you're thinking and, you know, just generally make, relax, make you feel happier. And then we're going to do this and we're going to do this, which is going to help you feel like this. So you're telling them the value, but you're also reinforcing it to yourself. And at the end of that, to do all of that, always drop that in to do all of that because it's a lot you're going to do is going to be a thousand pounds and then you're going to get that little bolt of adrenaline and it's going to come and hit you really hard and discount Tourette's is about to go but i'll do it for 750 (laughs) just shut up stop talking you have to stop talking that's hard silence will do the work for you if you can stop talking okay right now it might take some practice if you find it really hard to do move so have you got a sink in your in your uh, in your room you've got some papers have you got some some uh, you know excuse me one second leave the room if you really have to leave the room i'm just going to go and check so i've just got to go and check this something i'll, I'll, I'll be back in one second and then go, go hands. yeah just go and do something because get away because what you're doing is when people when you position pricing People need to think about it. It has to be processed. And if you, and you need, it has to go through a series of kind of filters in your head. And it's, um, think, think, no, think, feel. No, think, that's right. Yeah. But I think, think, no, feel. Sorry. Think, no, feel. So, you know, it's got to get down to feel. And you say, right, it's a thousand pounds. And I'll go, and you immediately take that as, oh, my God, it's too expensive, 750 quid. I'm just thinking about, do I need to transfer any money from one account to another? What what card am I going to pay oh, for? Oh, I'm thinking, oh, that's cheap. That's a good thing. Yeah, geez, that's, that's pretty good. I'll bring my friend, you know, and you're all of a sudden firing up. But, you know, and the problem is, is when you discount immediately, you make me concerned. I suddenly go, okay, didn't expect that. What's going on? Maybe this is too cheap. Maybe is this, you know, so let me process it. And then I may say something like, well, do you know, I'm not sure I can afford that. And that's a very different response to no, I don't want to pay for it. No, I I can't afford it is help me understand the value again. 
So you explain, okay, well, the reason we're doing this is you told me that we wanted to do this and this and this, so I can do that. Um, maybe we could spread the payment over a period of time. Would you, you know? So offer other payment options, other other options. Exactly. So I'm not saying I'm not going to pay for it. I'm not saying too expensive. I'm just thinking very reasonable and sensibly because I'm a grown up about um, how I'm going to pay for it. By offering me a discount, you just literally taking that away from me. So it's like, you know, I'm a grown man. I can work out my own financial situation. I don't need you to do it for me. Okay. You know? Thank you. Yeah, that's it. You're not in the NHS anymore. You don't have to give stuff away. And I think, I think that is, you know, that is the the hard thing. And as you know, like any, any kind of, when I say, you know, sub story, but anything where I think, oh, you know, the person's dog's died, you know, oh, well, let me do some tear fillers to make you look happy. You know, it, it, it's, it's bizarre and I you know I, I do like you know my husband's sat over there now you know laughing at me you know <laughs> it's true but I, you know the, the more people I speak to about it the more the more common I realize it and you know at first I kind of thought it was a you know a confidence a confidence thing you know it you know it was the fact that I you know you, you don't you, you're just starting up and you don't quite think you're good enough you don't understand your own value and you don't understand what you know like what you're you know what what else you're giving to that you know to that patient you know it's not just you're not just giving them a boat you know you're not just giving them botox you know you you like you say you're making them look less angry you know which is going to really affect the confidence and mm. i think like where it started off kind of like in that kind of like imposter syndrome or that you know not not feeling good enough and then it just kind of grows and you just become stuck in this yeah cycle of offering discounts it's it becomes habit right and we've got we've got a and it's habit for a lot of people as you said it's very very common we've got to break that habit and when i'm sort of working with people as you you know as you know the first part of of the job essentially is about putting one it's about putting probably generally put out some fires there's you know a confidence issue that i need to deal with um and a sense of overwhelm you know get everything sort of calmed down and then we put put you know small strategies in place and one of the plans is about pricing you know looking at that you know how, where is the money coming from you're in business and it's yes I, I get the altruistic nature i completely understand it's why you're successful at nursing because you have that warmth but out in you know, in the commercial world you can have that but you've also got to have a little bit of steel there has to be an edge to it and, you know, I've been asked a few, you know, a few times in the past about, you know, what's the sort of difference between the clients I have that make it and that are successful and those who aren't. And it's the ability to, de- to develop that edge and being honest about it. If you don't have it, you just continue to give things away. And if you do that, you never make any money. And if you never make any money, you can't grow. But also what happens is you then suddenly you start, you, you treat the wrong people. You can't say no to people. So you get the wrong clients coming through the door. You end up with complaints. You know, it's just, it's a spiral. Your yeah. marketing doesn't work. And in the end, you're just like, I don't, why am I even bothering with this? And at that point, I go, yeah, I would probably tap out as well. It takes a while to find yourself in business. That's the truth. And it's what I suppose I've been in, in business probably like 25 years running my own business for 10, 11. 
I think I've probably only really got my, my shit together in the last four years, if I'm honest. Um, it takes time. There's a, um, I remember it was, I think it was the guy who started Def Jam Records said it can take anywhere between five and seven years for a business model to settle down. If it's a new business model, it can take twice as long. So the fortunate thing is you guys have already got an established business model. There's a route to follow, but putting your own mark on it and your own spin. Yeah, of course it takes time. Um, but one of the things we sort we do at AE, you know, is to kind of, we thought it's hack, hack the growth. So give you shortcuts so, like, you know, don't worry about spending all your money on a website. If you've literally just started, just do it off a Facebook page. Why? Because you're going to need that money for other things. And a website at that stage is a nice to have, not a must have. There you go. Just save someone five grand. You know, so it's it's knowing which where to push. Yeah. That helps save your resources. Because, you know, when as your business grows, you need you need to have things in reserve. Like when you reach your VAT threshold, for example, that's a real bump for a lot of people. And most of the chance, most of the time you can't get over that bump is because you don't have the resources to be able to hire. So to outsource social media, to give yourself time to bring in different people to help you, you know, generate the revenue quickly to get over that bump. So you kind of hit it and then fall back, hit it and then fall back. Um, so yeah, you know, we've sort of seen these things a few times so we can help people through them. And, you know, when I when I was first started out, Richard, you, you know, you gave me loads of resources, you know, to kind of like, like, you know, like I said before, you know, it was your resources and you gave me the confidence to be able to, you know, go from make my side hustle, my main hustle and, you know, make that jump from the NHS. And I'll be, you know, I'll be forever grateful. And I think now, you know, I, I you know, started off small and now my business is growing. Mm. Now it's about learning a whole load of new new things, you know, and you know. So yeah, I'll be. I'm going to be back in touch. Um, but it's really interesting that you talked about outsourcing. Hmm. So in terms of um, outsourcing, like what kind of services would you recommend to outsource? Out, out, outsource because you know it's something that I've spoken to you know quite a few people about and you know I've had a couple of messages about outsourcing and I always wonder whether or not it takes away the personal touch you know I suppose it depends what you're outsourcing but yeah um I outsource so my first bit of advice on it is outsource all the shit you don't like doing (laughs) okay seriously I I despise admin with a passion. I'm not built for it. My brain doesn't work particularly well with expenses and that kind of stuff. I just don't, I don't do it. I've never done it well. So I got rid of it. As soon as I could afford to get a VA in, I got rid of it. The first thing I gave her was the task of creating processes to manage my admin. So I didn't even do the process. I said, look, it's a bit of a mess. I know it's a mess. My accountant keeps telling me it's a mess. So make it not a mess. That's your job. And then she did that and I've you know what four years later she's still every month she just you know it it works like a dream um so I got rid of that it was the first thing because it's not just about the physical side of it it for me it was the it was the mental drain of you know sitting there and just thinking yeah everything's great and then I just go oh god I've got to do my expenses yeah. you know? and it just suddenly my energy disappeared and I didn't want that so I got rid of all of that um <laughs> that stay on your to-do list for days yeah, all those horrible things you know everyone listening to me actually what well, in in the comments right put a list if you could outsource one thing now what would it be tell me what it is um but, because and social media will be in there as well i reckon 
Well, social media, you see, this is like, this is a really, you know, interesting one for me because I've got somebody that helps me with my social media. Becky, she'll be listening. Mm. She's amazing. Um, but one thing that you taught me when, you know, when I was with you, it's something that I've moved away from is, you know, you know, doing lives, putting, you know, don't outsource your social media because that is like something, you know, that, it, you know, you are kind of like selling you through your social mm. media. And, you know, it becomes a lot less um, of, of, of you, you know, when, when someone else is doing it, doing it for you. And Becky, you know, she's a, she's an absolutely amazing, but she's, you know, she's not an aesthetic nurse. She doesn't, you know, she does, um, she's amazing at what she does. But, you know, what, how, what are your, you know, what's your advice around, around that? In that boutique phase, in that er- those early stages, I wouldn't outsource much at all, if I'm honest, because you've got to learn how it all works and how it fits together. So if you're in that kind of, you know, horrendous bit and you've got less than sort of, you know, 10, 20 clients, you know, try and do as much as, as much as you can because you're going to, it will help you later on. Um, in that lifestyle bit, that's where I wouldn't start to, I, I get some help. You said, you know, helps you with your social media. And I think that's a key thing, support, not, you know, it's ab, not abdication. A lot of people try and go, right, I'm just going to get rid of my social media. That's the wrong strategy. That's like asking someone to completely do your marketing and sales for you when the best salesperson in the business is you. Um, so I, I get mar- I get support for my social media, but most of the strategy is driven by me and the videos and the Facebook lives and putting myself out there. That's still all me. Um, but the, awareness as i call it if you go on the ae instagram page i don't manage the ae instagram page at all i've got a team who do it and it's all about just you know business awareness and that kind of thing um so i wouldn't i wouldn't get rid of the whole social media thing the other thing with social media is as you said in it's it's personable um it needs to have your flavor into it and it takes time for a social media team to really get that um understand you know, how you would communicate certain things and how you'd say things. So the AE social, for example, like I said, there's a team that do that. The RCS one, my own Instagram, I do that myself um, for, you know, what it's worth. Um, because I think you have to have that personal brand. It's almost like three different levels to your business. You've got the business brand, then you, and then your products and services, and you have to have control over the you. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, that's um, really good advice. Thank you. Um, so I know we're times times marching on. Um, I was going to ask you. Um, I've, I've heard you talk a lot about automation and creating systems. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and how that can help us? I mean, I know that you know time is marching on, but it's okay. A really simple thing about having a you know a, 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 an automated process where you just allow a client just to book in, you know, clicks to book. And then from there, there's a series of emails that support that, you know, that onboarding journey. Um, so you don't have to do all of that, right? Everybody's got their hands in the air. Everybody's listening to me going, oh, God, yeah, it's me. Automation will s- literally solve that whole problem because what happens is you give to, you give clients too many options. So, you know, oh, you can WhatsApp me or you can you know, send me a text or you can get me from Facebook Messenger or you can email me or you can ring me or you can do all these different things. I'm a bit more brutal than that. I'm just like, no, there's a link, right? Click on that link and book in a call with me because then I've got control. 
and my diary's there and say someone say, oh, I can't book in because you're full. All right, well, no worries, I'll open up another slot. That whole process is essentially automation in action. And where it really worked well was when people were coming out of the second lockdown. So what I realised in lockdown one is when that ended, it was chaos. Did you re- did you notice that? Well, clearly you noticed that, didn't you? Right? I'm still, still picking up the pieces now. You know, it was ridiculous trying to get your whole client base in on the first day that you open. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, it absolute chaos, right? And I was like, I remember talking to you know, people and thinking, right, you know, that that doesn't need to happen. There's definitely a way we can improve that. So what did to start well design right, okay, the way we do it is this is when we start things things are starting to open up is you get your best clients come in first, right? So book them in. So you ring them up, say to them, Hey look, you know, want to get you in because um, you're an amazing client, so we book you in. <clears throat> so the first two weeks was generally filled with those kind of high spending, really loyal clients. And then after, then the next one is like you ring the next kind of tranche of clients. And then after that, it was create a booking link on something like Calendly or Acuity Scheduling, or there's loads of different booking systems out there. Um, and everybody else got the link and that was it. And it was, you know, people with business, their businesses were booked up till June, literally till now and peace and calm. And they'd also block time out in their diary because this is one other thing that automation will help you because you're all terrible at this is self care is booking time off for yourselves. Yeah. Taking half a day off. I take half a day at minimum half a day a week. Wednesdays usually off. Don't do anything. I don't do any calls. I don't do anything because I need that mental reset because you know, what we do is intensive, right? It's energy. It's a lot of energy we use emotional energy physical energy mental energy so we need that reset um and when you've got your diary system automated you can block those times in and it just protects you as well and you know allow your clients work around you and if they're not prepared to wait they're not prepared to wait and you know you don't really want them as a client anyway if they're gonna be that much of a douchebag about it so so automation in that instance in, in the first stage really helps but we can automate all the way through the business so you know, that client journey has almost like digital support underpinning it all. Um, and that takes a lot of pressure off you. It takes a lot of time off as well, but it takes a little bit of time to put together. But once it's running, um, you know, it saves you so much time, so much time. Yeah. That honestly, that was, yeah, such good advice. I, I got my booking system I use over to you and I did something very similar to what, to what you said. I had my, you know, my VIP, waiting list and it kind of went went down and yeah it but I'm probably not as good as you know I'm terrible for self-care and booking booking you know booking time off for myself so yeah Dis- discipline you gotta do it over to you is that how it's pronounced I thought it's pronounced oh. Ovatu. oh it might be over I thought <laughs> over to you um, but yeah I think you know it's it's really important <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's it's that we forget about these little things right that to to help us manage all of this stuff you know business can be quite hard it can be challenging and if you're not in the right headspace it's twice as hard and just taking short short breaks is really important 
anybody listening who's not doing that do it because and you and don't worry about the fact that oh my god if i don't squeeze clients into every last five minutes i'm not going to make any money well guess what if you put your prices up if you doubled your prices you'd see half the number of people make the same amount of money right but discount to rent might mean that you you know end up doing it for the price you're meant to <laughs> yeah you'll end up bringing it back down to the original <laughs> price anyway so um, well, Richard, thank you so much um, for your time tonight. It's My been learnt loads, and I hope that everybody listening has has learnt loads. You've given us some absolute golden nuggets of information, and it's been fantastic.